All right, all right, all right. Welcome back to the Misfit Nation. Last episode, we got to hear from Joseph and Amanda Garcia of Colleen, Texas, and Missy Green from South Carolina. Thank you for being on, and keep us posted on your ventures in the future. Our next guest is Dr. Luke McLeese, founder of Freedom and Prosperity Think Tank. He's a Marine Corps vet and the Director of Military Affairs and Services. He's responsible for overseeing the success and quality of life for all military, veterans, and their families. He also advises the university on changing legislation and policies that might impact university stakeholders. So without further ado, let's get Luke on the show. Hello, Luke. How are you doing? Hey, Rich. How are you doing? I'm doing great today. Pretty good. It's a beautiful day here in Tennessee, about 70 degrees. 85 is taking off. Beautiful. That's wonderful. Where are you in Tennessee? Uh, right outside Fort Campbell. Oh, okay. Man, I know that area well. Uh, for about two years, three years of my life, I lived in Paducah. Okay, Kentucky. right up the road. <laughs> <laughs> Right up the road. We used to pass Fort Campbell going to Nashville all the time. Exactly. My house is about 30 minutes from Nashville now. Okay. Okay. Great. So are you in the 101st or were you? I I retired out of the 101st in 2015. Uh, I now work on base training soldiers on emerging threats. Ah, cool. Very cool. Awesome. Awesome. Yeah, man. Campbellsville is a, is a, is a sweet little town. I mean, it really, really was growing up uh, kind of in the time that I lived there. It started changing a lot. It's, it's cool. When did you leave here? Um, let's see. It would have been 2003. Oh, wow. It, it's grown exponentially since then. Yeah, they, okay. okay. They have uh, put building building to shame here, subdivisions everywhere farmers are selling their kids are selling because they don't want to work the farms so every old farm is now a subdivision so it's enormous here oh wow wow so tell us a little about about you your story and then of course how you came to come up with the idea for freedom and prosperity think tank absolutely so Thanks for having me and giving me this opportunity, okay. Rich. Um, my story starts, I'll start it in the, uh, as a young man in the United States Marine Corps. Uh, I was an infantry Marine. And uh, after the Marine Corps, I, I went back to uh, college and I started experiencing, you know, some interesting, some interesting things that uh, I thought I was alone in, but then you know, over the years, I started noticing that I wasn't alone and that most everyone I talked to when they were going back to college, this was a universal feeling of uh, kind of, you know, where's my place going back to campus and where, you know, how am I treated differently? I'm not really a, an older student, but I'm also not an 18-year-old, 19-year-old student that hasn't done anything either. So, that was uh, the catalyst for thinking about about post-service life and uh, college atmosphere. And then, you know, I started uh, I started really talking to other people and noticing that it was a trend among anyone who'd made this transition. And then later in life, and a few degrees later, uh, I was a professor uh, for a veteran studies program and I was teaching veteran studies and I really started familiarizing myself with all the literature and then I noticed that you know not only do did I experience it and that people I knew experienced it but that these large chunks of people experienced to the point where people were able to do quantitative and qualitative studies over it you know and it was through this and then later uh, taking a position where I All right, welcome back. Luke. All right. Sorry about that. It's okay. I thought it was my phone. <laughs> so, um, 
I think I, I think it cut me off right when I was starting to talk about freedom and prosperity and you know freedom and prosperity we, we exist to cut off I'm sorry go ahead you were at military studies when it cut off okay and you know through uh through through teaching veteran studies and then later uh, being a director of military affairs and services I always ask the question to everyone about their quality of life and their perceptions, you know, leaving service and going into higher education. And then I found through literally thousands uh, of people, you know, that this validating question to kind of feel out of place, you know, in this space. And so that really led me and inspired me through a lot of procrastination and thinking about it and trying to get it all right uh, to creating freedom and prosperity think tank. And we really, our, our existence is to educate veterans and to educate about veterans. Nice. When you told me that the first time I think we were first chatting that, that piqued my interest. I worked in the veteran sphere before I got this job and I was helping veterans as they transitioned their first six months, basically first six months in this program was called mission continues. It was a fellowship program where it was kind of getting them back into their communities and kind of an immersive thing where they volunteered at something they were passionate about to just get back into the groove. Right. And I seen everything you were saying about the, the problems of being the, I'm the older guy in class or I feel left out of the class because these other young, the younger kids coming right out of high school have nothing to talk to me about really. So it was clickish and I, everything you're saying, it's, it's spot on. Yeah. Absolutely. Absolutely. So, so, you know, you talk to those people and you saw firsthand that uh, it, it, it totally exists and it's not just a, at one university or college or another. I mean, it's literally everywhere. And uh, that feeling of exactly what you're explaining, you know, they're not uh, 18, 19, 20 years old, uh, but they're also not 40, 50, 60, oftentimes. I mean, there are those veteran students, of course, but the vast majority of veterans fall into the category of the age of 25 to 37. So, you know, um, there's different circumstances and they're really in a organization in higher education that is not set up for them and their learning and their experiences. It is set up for the 18 to 22 year old who left high school, you know, uh, and started college. So that really has led us uh, to at Freedom and Prosperity Think Tank to think about educating veterans uh, through a veteran centric model. So 100% veteran faculty teaching course, courses, and we call it microeducation. So it's going to be courses that are shortened versions of something they would get in a college curriculum, but also uh, in a way that is more engaging and uh, is more interactive and fits schedules easier. The other part of our mission is we go into organizations or with individuals and we teach about that veteran experience. Because uh, something that inspired us from, you know, exactly what you're talking about with the mission continues is when we talk to veterans who are just leaving the military and going into organizational spaces to work and they aren't staying more than a year and or two years max. And what we're finding out is, is because these employers, they want to hire veterans because the work ethic and because of the experiences. However, they don't know how to retain this population because they're not capitalizing on the attributes of military-connected people and former service members. Exactly. And uh, your point on the one year, that that was something that they told us as I was getting out through a transition assistance program and such. Most veterans leave their first job within one year. And that was in 2015. And I think it's still true today as more veterans are coming out, more younger veterans are just turning, coming in one more turn and burn basically and learning on the hard way that a lot of things out there aren't the same as they thought they were and making that new transition. Absolutely. Absolutely. You know, uh, that number is around 80% 
uh, veterans who leave their job in the first year, and then those who end up staying, that 20% who stay uh, another year, by 50% of that uh, end up leaving within, you know, year two. Wow. So you're exactly right. Uh, things just are not what they seem. Uh, you, people advertise and make it sound great, make like their organization is, is perfect. But of course, there's no perfect organization in the world. But on top of that, uh, you know, they're hiring just because they think that they have a population of people that they want. And they might not necessarily truly understand the population. Uh, and it's, it's interesting, you know, it's very interesting and difficult. Yes, it's extremely difficult. And then I don't think it matters uh, the amount of time a person served either. The difficulty of that transition is it's hard for everyone. I'd say it might be harder for the careerist, but they all have a problem with that adjustment after taking the boots off and going to suits. That whole transition period is hard for everybody. Absolutely. I couldn't agree more, you know, and, and you see this. I mean, you see this on college campus where you're, your typical uh, person has served, you know, four years or eight years, you know, it's usually four, six, eight. Uh, then there's a big gap to all the way to people who have retired out, you know, 20 years plus. However, also in those other spaces, uh, it doesn't matter the time length that someone has served. There are issues in translating what they've done, thinking about service in the context of a civilian job, also having uh, the civilian population understand, you, you know, the life that you've just had for whatever amount of years you've lived it. Uh, and, and really for all parties, not to fall into the stereotype of what they expect for veterans. Because uh, this is something that happens. I mean, the civilian population, they get, they get the veteran experience from a hodgepodge of stories, from movies from books, uh, and then, you know, they kind of tell it to the veterans and the veterans reinforce it because yes. they think it to be true. But really, it's such an individual experience that uh, it's impossible to contain. Yes. And I think movie of Hollywood kind of does the veterans fear of wrong and over-exaggerating the veteran experience. And that kind of hurts the young veteran as they come out and they have that stigma already on them as they walk into an interview. This is what this kid's going to be like. Absolutely. Absolutely. You know, there's that, that civilian uh, bias uh, about the veteran and the veteran experience. And it's usually built or, or at least thus far historically built in some kind of deficit mind frame where they're expecting um, something negative from people. And the interesting thing, you know, the SVA, Student Veterans of America, did some research a few years ago, and they showed that when someone is in uniform uh, with this research, they showed that, that when someone's in uniform, they have a very high approval rating. You know, the public sees men and women in the armed forces as something very positive overall. You know, but then the second they take that uniform off, that approval rating drops. Uh, and it was a pretty significant drop. And I, I've always found that interesting uh, because you're still talking about the same person. You know, you have uh, the person who's done the job that you once revered them for. And now uh, something has changed all of a sudden that this person has wanted to continue their life in a civilian context. And all of a sudden, now they're not the same value. And, and, and I'm sure that hurts this, the mental state, the mindset of the veterans, veterans as well as they start to feel that, that negativity towards them. Absolutely. Absolutely. And, you know, this is something that you can find in the research. And I, I, like, to, I like to equate it to a double-edged sword kind of, or it's like someone's uh, hugging you while they're stabbing you in the back. And, you know, uh, the, a lot of veterans have expressed, you know, when someone says, thank you for your service, well, they're going to say, thank you for your service or, you know, buy you a drink or buy your dinner or something. And that, that person could be the same person that turns around in another breath and says, man, I, I hope, I hope this uh, veteran, you know, doesn't go crazy on us or... <laughs>
welcome back to the show, Luke. We were talking about the double-edged sword. Yes, thank you. So, it, you know, and it's absolutely the way that people will describe it, you know. On one hand, you've got someone who is expressing that they're thankful for everything that you've done and for service to others. And then on the other hand, uh, they're skeptical about uh, some of your experiences and why you would have changed your life from military to civilian life or something like that. You know, so it's, it's very, it's very interesting. It's very complex. And I, I think it's uh, one of those things that is unique to our population. Yes. It's, it's very unique to us. And I mean, I, I was a careerist and I, it took me a year to find an actual job because they had a stigma that I would want more money than I did. So they wouldn't hire me because they thought they couldn't pay me. So they were just pushing me aside for that. And then the other side was, oh, you've deployed X amount of times. We don't know if we can handle you here. So it kind of builds up on the veterans as well. Yeah, right. Absolutely. Absolutely. And, you know, you, you think about organizations like you encountered that are willing to, to say that and treat you like that. And then, you know, for a veteran that is looking for a job, well, what happens when they hear that, you know, not from one organization, but from two, from five, from 10, you know, and, and you're just sitting here like, hey, I'm just trying to get a job. Right. You know, <laughs> and it's, it's, uh, <laughs> it's, uh, it, it, it's the sad reality that we live in. And, you know, then you do have some employers that jump out and say, well, okay, well, we'll hire you. You know, we like your work ethic. We like your experiences, but you know, some of those employers are doing it for the tax break that they get for hiring a protected population. Uh, and then when somebody gets there, they honestly don't have any infrastructure put in place. Like there's people who couldn't capitalize on someone say like yourself with a lot of leadership experience and a lot of practical experience they just don't know how to handle it in a context that they understand outside of whatever it is they're doing you know making widgets or or whatever the job is whatever their bottom line is that they couldn't figure it out at that point exactly exactly so how do you um, reach out to veterans and get them to come to the program? So we stages. Stages um, creating out organizations. We're creating. now is we've been consulting with that I was speaking about uh, with trying to educate about the veteran experience. So right now we've had a, a business to be taken care of and have some early clients that uh, have enough noticeability to, to kind of help give us the boot on having that live and, you know, 95% of what we're going to do is going to be accessible on the internet and we will uh, start advertising from there. So people can be, uh, you know, we'll, we'll do social media, everything online that we need to do to, to drive traffic towards us and let people know what we're, what our mission is and what we're doing. Um, and then in the meantime, I also do host a podcast called veterans and academics. And so we do get some visibility there and, um, you know, we, everybody who works with me does okay. keep active in, well, I mean, you guys are, I think you're out in front of it as you're starting off in the early stages, one by getting into the businesses, the pie. business to business thing is a great model. And then with the social media, that's where most of the younger veterans are right now. Anyway, uh, that's a, the best way to find a lot of them. Bunker Labs, of course, is an awesome place to find other veterans with like-minded or these same issues that they're trying to figure out on their own, and that'll help you out as well, I believe. 
And uh, how did you get linked up with Bunker Labs? Absolutely. Absolutely. So, um, you know, my, I mean, my background after the military and after going to college, I've pretty much been wrapped up, wrapped up in the academic side of things. So I was raised in a family that really didn't encourage uh, going into business for yourself. They thought it was too risky. My parents always said it was too risky. So I knew nothing. And um, I started in a cohort at Veterans Florida. And at Veterans Florida, I took a course with Action Zone all about entrepreneurship. And that kind of got me started thinking about these things and learning the, the process. And uh, it exposed me to Bunker Labs. And honestly, I saw that the uh, veteran and residents uh, stuff was coming up to apply for. And I applied for everything thinking like this is going to be good practice and I'll, I'll i'll get the groove of it and then i will uh try again next year but then lo and behold i was selected uh you know out of my state and then when i went and i pitched my idea of what i was going to do then i got uh, selected for the cohort for 21 alpha and uh, honestly I was like, okay, this I'm early stages. Uh, I think Bunker Labs is pretty serious, but I'm glad it all happened the way it did because it is it has made us grow. Awesome. I, I started with Bunker Labs then, probably in uh, it 2018, I believe, 17 or 18. When I was still at my other job time. because a lot of my fellows were going through them, so I figured let me check it out, see what it is. And I learned a lot just by talking with other veterans in there about their businesses, and it, I kind of went back to college for my master's and now right. for my doctorate. And now I decided to start a podcast to try to get the voice of everyone out there and get their stories out. So that's kind of how I got into this. And, you know, I think that's the biggest value um, is just that right there, you know, is I've been able to network with, with guys like yourself and gals, uh, that have been in the military, military connected, and just hear what they're doing, hear what I'm doing, see where we can meet in the middle, help each other out. Also, <laughs> you know, if someone can't help out with something, oftentimes someone in bunkers like, well, hey, I know someone, you know, I know someone who knows someone. <laughs> and so then they can eventually get you to someone who can help you with something. So that's been huge. I think that's right. the biggest value that not- I've got thus far is just the kind of organic network that unfolds on its own you know sometimes i don't even know someone's in bunker but then we talk about it or i see their logo and i'm like oh okay i i I know what this person's going through because they're a veteran um they've got a entrepreneurial mindset and they're connected to this other group of people that are all kind of feel at home so it's easier to talk to real mindset so i i mean it's like i immediately feel a level of comfort about that person and and doing this now this just since last week when i published when i posted this absolutely i think i've absolutely had eight people reach out to do this and everyone every story has been awesome so this is really helping me out and it'll it'll hopefully help them out too, help their get their names out there in their business so they can uh, become a little more successful than they are now if they're not already thriving and if they are thriving, this just levels them out, makes them go better and reach uh, higher goals. I appreciate you taking the time to come on. And Absolutely. I know you're, you're busy Absolutely. with both your, your academia and, the, of course, awesome. the, the Freedom and Prosperity Think Tank. What other organizations besides SVA and Bunker Labs uh, in the veteran sphere have you been uh, linked in with to help you out or – would you recommend to other veterans? Yeah. Right. Ooh, you know, there are so many. Uh, there are so many. I don't know. I think we, uh, 20 years ago, there were none. Uh, 10 years ago, you know, there were, there were some good ones. And now there are so many. It's kind of like you have to whittle away. Uh, and, and really go for a good return on investment. So uh, like you mentioned, of course, SVA spectacular, Bunker Labs spectacular. 
I, I think anybody going into uh, their own business too, a lot of the local resources within a city or state have been very helpful and they're actually out there and offer a lot, but no one talks about them and they're not really advertised, but you can get a lot of a free help uh, that is very, very helpful. So wherever someone lives, I, I would I definitely suggest that. Um, I also think that uh, Share Street and um, I've recently found the uh, Vetrepreneur Tribe and the Warrior Council and some organizations like this, uh, especially if someone yeah, I think is military I, like you said, there's so many now, every, especially in the last 10 years. To, it started with, a, I think, Wounded Warrior Project was the first large one to start up. And then you, Team RWB, Team Rubicon, the Bunker Labs, of course. Uh, SVAs have been around for a while. They were just kind of in the shadows. Now they're kind of getting the forefront, which is actually pretty awesome. Georgetown had a pretty good SVA there when I went for my master's. They kind of helped me along. And now Liberty also has a good one as I'm going towards my doctorate. I appreciate everything they do for me and help me push me to the right, the right angles as I start to sway every once in a while. So if you if you can give advice to a transitioning service member or spouse, what would it be? We all do. We all do. <laughs> yeah. That's a great question. Uh I think that's 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 the million dollar question right now for everyone. Uh I, I would hopefully they would get this uh, before the word transition was becoming a, a, you know, something of a reality for them. And I would say start early, start early, start early. Um, and that's the biggest thing. I, I think now we need to start thinking about transition as soon as someone gets out of basic training, you know, or, or boot camp. Uh, it's got to be the first thing that they start thinking about. Because uh, really, it is inevitable, right? It doesn't matter if you stay in four years or 30 years. It's inevitable. It's coming. And I'm seeing, though, that the younger generation, uh, they are setting up businesses while they're serving. They are planning for college. Some are taking more advantage of tuition assistance. And I think yes, this is the that, right that's way. something I wish I did. Super proactive. I mean, it, it happens so quick when you do transition, you don't have a lot of time to react. Necessity. So making that plan, I mean, as you said, it's inevitable. As soon as you sign up, you're going to get out at some point, whether it's on your yeah, choice, absolutely. on your terms, whether at the end of your ETS, or you got hurt and you had to get put out, or maybe you do make it to retirement. It, it's going to, you have to have that plan in place. And no matter how awesome you think you are, there has to be something else to fall back on and some stepping stones right. to make it out. Well, Luke, I appreciate you coming on and taking a part of your day to spend with us. Absolutely. Uh, how, Absolutely. I'll put your website on the, on the, on the show page. And of course on the, the Facebook page as well. If you want to just tell people your Facebook page and how to get in contact with you now, and I'll help you out as much as I can, as you get launched, just reach back out to me. Man, Bridge, I really, really appreciate it. And uh, people can find me at Luke McLeese on Facebook. Um, and on Instagram, it's Dr. McLeese Think Tank. And then uh, our webpage is fptt.org. And my awesome. uh, Thanks, podcast Luke. And uh, I look forward to hearing from you again in the future. And we're available on all platforms for streaming. Awesome. Thank you. Have a good day. Thank you so much. And I appreciate it, Richard. And All right. Great interview with Luke there. Our second guest is Brittany Thornton Honko, and she started Love Your Launch Academy. She's a social media monster, and her mission is to inspire and guide high-performing women who want to defy traditional models of success and happiness so they can lead their lives with heart and confidence. So let's go ahead and get Brittany on the show. 
again, once again, welcome to the show. And if you want to just tell the audience a little bit about your journey, your story, from whatever point you want to start from to get into service and then to where you are now. Yeah, absolutely. So um, my name is Brittany. I am a course creation coach at the moment, um, but I was previously a naval officer. So back in 2011, I went to the Naval Academy, commissioned in 2015 as a surface warfare officer, and did a couple stints on a couple of cruisers before uh, kind of getting into the public affairs community. So public affairs community, I loved it. It was an amazing, um, I just can't say good, enough good things about it. <laughs> um, my, I, I love my PAOs. Um, but that was really where I got the first chance in the military to get creative. So I'm a creative at heart. Um, I've, I studied English at the Academy. I'm a writer. Um, and then I found that I also really love photography and kind of the visual aspects of creativity. And so being a PAO, a public affairs officer, I got to do a stint in the photojournalism side of the world. Uh, learn my way around uh, uh, Adobe software and photography and journalism. And uh, that's really what gave me the foundation when I decided it was time to get out of the military to get into the entrepreneurial ventures. So today I help women build and launch market their digital courses online uh, so I mainly work with coaches and course creators who have a vision, but then they need somebody to implement that vision with them. Uh, so I take my background in, as a, a surface warfare officer with the project management and the strategy and all that stuff. I combine it with my background with the creative side of things, with the visual element, the storytelling, the journalism, and we create an epic offer for them that allows them to stop trading time for dollars and start really leaning into the power of digital offers. That's outstanding. Uh, does your is your target all women or just women veterans or anything anything out there? Yeah. So um, ideal clients. I love I love this conversation. Um, so my ideal client is uh, typically a, a woman who is a course uh, or a, a coach or an online business owner who has some sort of skill. Um, I don't really work with women who have digital or um, physical products or um, like they don't sell jewelry or earrings or um, a skincare line or anything like that. It's um, usually more of like a skill or training or an experience that they have to offer. And then I help them convert that into a course or some sort of pre-recorded digital content that then they can sell um, at scale. Awesome. So you could actually link in with a lot of nonprofits in their learning development programs to help them to develop their programs as well. Uh, yeah, I could. I've actually, um, on my podcast, I had a nonprofit organizer come in um, and, and we've talked a little bit about some programs that she could create. Uh, I haven't had a, a client who's a nonprofit owner quite yet, mainly just other business owners, but there's definitely some synergy there. You're absolutely right. And uh, how do you reach out to your clients now or, and where do you see yourself reaching out in the future? You know, I am a social media monster. <laughs> um, most of my connecting with uh, business owners is via Facebook and Instagram, uh, sometimes LinkedIn, but mostly Facebook and Instagram. I think I gravitate more towards that because of the visual element where you can share photos and stories and really get personal. Um, but yeah. And then of course, always the, you know, the, the much valued client referral, <laughs> um, but mostly it's, it's social media. Yeah. And you, you operate out of your house or, or you vision yourself moving into a, either a shared space or an office space. I do not envision myself moving into an office space. I started my, my business so I could work from home. I, um, so my husband is a software developer and when we started dating, he had just transitioned into working remotely. So 
before that, because I worked in the military world and it was all about security clearances and closed doors um, and secure spaces, it was definitely um, a little bit of a, a learning curve for me to see him at home working on his computer, um, doing Zoom calls. And this was a couple of years before the pandemic started. So when it came time for me to evaluate, okay, for sure getting out of the Navy and I want to decide, you know, I have to decide what I'm going to be doing. It's like, okay, well, what, what about this whole working online thing? Cause this sounds pretty cool. I can go to work in my PJs. Um, I can, you know, I can eat lunch at home. Um, part of it is that I have three, uh, large breed working dogs. And so I did want to be able to, you know, let them out throughout the day. And, and there was an element of that. And then with family planning as well, figured it would probably be easier to just work from home with kids. Um, now I'm sure that most of the people who've been working at home for the last year <laughs> would disagree with me, <laughs> but, um, but yeah, I, I love working. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> What would you think, what would you say are the biggest challenges facing your client pool? Oh my goodness. Um, you know, when it comes to the online business world, um, and I'm, I'm sure somebody's going to uh, say I'm shooting myself in the foot here for some gender stereotypes, but um, I'm sure this applies to men too. You know, I mainly work with women and one of the things that I see over and over again is an unwillingness to promote yourself and being in the military, being an officer in the military, um, going through the Naval Academy training series and, you know, and, and learning about all this like ethics and selfless leadership and, you know, our, our Navy, um, you know, ship, shipmate self, like putting yourself last. Um, I get it because I too struggle with, actively promoting myself. It just seems wrong um, to, to put myself out there and to say, yeah, I'm awesome. You should buy from me. <laughs> but at the same time, you know, I've had to navigate, okay, well, how do I promote myself? Because I'm not in a business where I have a sales and marketing department. I am the sales and marketing <laughs> department. So if I'm not marketing my business and I'm not promoting myself, then nobody is and business does not come. So the thing that I see the most within my industry is this, this failure to promote that we don't talk about what we're doing, that we don't talk about our offers and what we have for sale and the successes that we're getting our clients. And, um, I have to constantly remind myself and I have to also constantly remind my coaching clients how to, you know, you're not telling your story. You're not sharing. Um, Siri decided to jump in there. Uh, um, you're not telling your story. You're not sharing those successes. Um, you know, we we tend to gravitate more towards the inspirational and the motivational, but we don't actively get out there and share those wins. And so um, whether it's finding a mentor who encourages you to do that, or it's finding, you know, putting a, a post-it note on your screen, on your computer and going, um, how long has it been since you last promoted yourself <laughs> and, and shared a, a win for your business and your marketing, you know, or if it's just having a group of what I call business besties, um, you know, other people in your industry who can support you and cheer you on and encourage you to see the, the good that you're doing and share those wins. Um, I think that we could all probably do that a little bit better. And I think you're right. It's, it's not just women. There's men and women at both there. It's a pride thing or a humbleness that they keep their own stuff inside. So they don't feel like they're either being braggadocious towards other people, let them feel bad or other things that hold them back when they're actually doing well and they have something to offer other people, but they actually hold themselves back and kind of handcuff themselves. Yeah. Yeah. It's, it's really true. And it is something that, you know, there are coaches out there who have entire programs to teach you how to do this. Um, one of my coaches, uh, and I, I'll give her a shout out, Michelle Terpstra, she has been instrumental in helping me get out of my shell. And it's not that I'm like this meek little mousy person. I mean, I, I put on my camouflage 
pants and my boots. And I stood in front of 18 people at one point who were all older than me and took charge of a situation. I'm totally okay with that. But it's that self-promotion that just goes against the grain of my character. And I think many of our characters um, and women like her and coaches like her have really helped me reframe that into the more that I talk about things that I do, the more that, you know, my clients talk about the things that they do for their clients, um, the more people that I can serve. And so that inane desire to serve and support and continue to help is satisfied and it doesn't feel like bragging and it doesn't feel like you're just, you know, constantly peacocking for <laughs> lack of a better word. <laughs> That's an awesome term. <laughs> I like that. And, that, and I, I, I agree with you. And that's a great point. And I think that's for any business, not just online businesses. A lot, a lot of the brick and mortars that didn't make it through the pandemic, it could have been because they weren't trying to get out there and push their product as well. Well, to that point, too, um, you know, what I do is help create online offers. And, and that was a huge thing about this time last year when we all kind of realized that there were going to be some financial repercussions to the shutdown and the social distancing and, and everything in the stay at home order. And, you know, one of the things that has really helped quite a few of the small businesses that I work with is creating that digital product is creating that offer, whether they did it in a course where it was uh, kind of like a finite start finish you know, four week or two week or eight week program to teach you something. Or it was a membership where you sign up and you subscribe and you get, you know, things. So I saw jewelry businesses that were brick and mortar create, um, you know, monthly box subscriptions so that uh, you could sign up and get a box and you just get kind of, you know, like the, the jewelry of the month. Um, I also saw, uh, <clears throat> like I use the example of like somebody who had a food truck and they have to determine, okay, obviously I can't keep my food truck open because that goes against everything that the shutdown <laughs> implies. Um, and so you have two options. You can either serve business to business or business to customer. And so with business to customer, your, uh, I'm sorry, business to business, you are teaching other people how to start their own food trucks. That would be an example of a digital course or a membership um, where you could support others in creating their own food truck because you've created yours, you're successful. And so you take that role of a leader in your industry. Um, or you could do business to customer where you had a successful food truck business and everybody loved your carne asada tacos. And so then you create a business to customer course where you teach people how to make your carne asada tacos and you teach them at home in a live zoom class or a pre-recorded program. And you start marketing that to the people who would normally show up in person to eat your tacos and you teach them how to do it themselves. And that kind of adaptation from a brick and mortar to an online business. Um, you know, I, I definitely did not anticipate the, the pandemic, but that was huge for my business because there were a ton of business owners out there who needed that. Um, needed to know how to be able to do that. Um, and so March of last year, I had my hands full. <laughs> so <clears throat> That's not a bad thing, though. So, and, and I'm sure the wave is still riding for you. With still probably 40 states are still pretty much locked down. It's mostly southern states that are opening up slowly. We never really closed here in Tennessee. They said we were closed, but nothing. No, we wore masks. That's about it. And, yeah, same in Florida. And you, you guys are pretty much wide open right now, I believe. And they just did spring break and the uh, bike week down there. So I'm pretty sure that's a, a plus for businesses and the economy there. Yes, but, you know, I um, man, I know quite a few. I mean, the entirety of South Florida has pretty much decided that the pandemic is over. That <laughs> we've quit the pandemic. Um, but, you know, I've... Uh, I've seen a number of these businesses, they created these offers and then they were able to keep them going. So even when they do go back to opening up their food trucks or opening up their salons or, you know, opening up their brick and mortar stores, um, they still have this online passive recurring income that allows them to kind of just navigate any additional unforeseen oopsie daisies in, you know, in, in the world. 
and that's and that's a solid thing for them. Now they they built basically a dual business. They can do either way. At once this all once this cloud rises off of us and we go back to a, a new normal, I think they'll all be successful with the tools that they have now. Yes. No. I think that business owners have really um, this became a sink or swim type of event, and for the ones who learned how to swim, um, you're set. If you <laughs> if you can if you can get through this. That you know of of literally government mandated shutdowns, then your business can survive anything. And if you didn't learn how to swim, then you sank. And um, you know, unfortunately, we did have businesses that just didn't survive the pandemic. Um, but my hope is that for for any business owner who, you know, found it to be a struggle, um, that that you hear stories like this of you know other businesses who who've pivoted and who've flexed a little bit and gotten a little creative and you know it gives you some hope for a new idea that that will be pandemic resistant yes so they've built a i guess a resiliency wall now for for themselves and even those who did not make it i'm sure they learned lessons where if they do decide to launch again in a different aspect or even the same way they've learned enough lessons where they probably won't let it happen again hopefully Hopefully, <laughs> you can always hope. That's why I ended up in there. <laughs> so how did you get linked up with uh, Bunker Lab? Um, yeah, so that goes back to my husband again, okay. um, who, despite many people asking if he was in the military, uh, he was never <laughs> in the military. And so I um, met he connected with an individual, I think through like a mutual volleyball league um, and who had gone through bunker labs and um it was just a i mean he's just an awesome guy his name's andrew and uh when my husband and andrew had connected um you know my husband mentioned that i was in the military i was thinking about starting my own business and he uh we were in san diego at the time and bunker labs has a great chapter out in san diego and uh at that point you know he introduced me took me to a few of the bunker labs events found out about the facebook group um and you know, I've been connecting with other bunker labians. Um, uh, and, and it's just, I find it's just a great community. Um, I'm a big fan of community. I think it holds you accountable and it, you know, it, it gives you something to strive towards. There's always somebody, no matter who you are, there's always somebody who knows something a little bit more than you and who can teach you something. And so I love being part of communities like bunker labs and, some of the other more um, non-veteran and more women-specific communities that I'm in, just because there's there's always something to learn. And um, I think one of the reasons I've been able to scale my business so quickly is because of that association with all of these different communities that just constant, constantly surrounded by people who are just doing amazing things. And you just can't help but be swept away in that and be part of that tide, you know? Right. You want to you want to do your tribe right when you're in those communities and uh, Bunker Labs uh, serves as a great networking link a uh, link for everybody that gets in there because you can ask a question and someone there is going to raise their hand or or message you and say I have a guy or a girl who can help you with that almost immediately yes. get an answer I didn't expect the the response I got to my message to be this great I thought it would just be one or two people but so many people are reaching out and that just helps me and helps them because they get to tell their story and that's what this is all about. Yeah, absolutely. And it's, um, so I've got my own podcast where every five episodes I feature a veteran owned business. And I definitely know that my next couple are going to come from bunker labs because it's, you know, it's just, I mean, everybody in there is just doing some amazing things. I, I was at one of the events in San Diego and I saw, um, like a pitch presentation, like practice, which, coming from you know my background I joined the Navy right out of high school um you know I did not get an MBA I do not have a business degree I have a degree in English literature and I've been able to get pretty far just on you know good common sense but there are some things that I've had to learn and that exposure to things like pitches and elevator speeches and proper networking because there is a, a right and a wrong way to network um things like that where you see those events it just opens your eyes to all of the things that you know you don't know (laughs) that you need to get better at (laughs) and that's where you know I 
I was like, yeah, the communities like this are definitely a must have for any business owner, no matter what demographic you fall into. It only, it only is going to make it, it is only going to make you better as you grow as a business to have that much of a network behind you, the community, like you said, that doesn't want to see you trip up. They want to see you keep rising and they'll be in there to push you. And if you do slip, they'll push you back up on your feet. So that's what it's, that's, what's great about it. Yeah. I, I love the quote, um, your network is your net worth or your net worth is your network. I can't remember which one goes first. Um, but I think it's, you know, it, and that's not a, it's who, you know, it's how many good deals are you going to get based on how many, you know, elbows you rub up against. But, um, for me that, that saying is more about like the, the amount of experience and wisdom that is in your network, like that's what you bring to the table. I, I can't tell you how many people I connect with and I'm always giving out names, you know, because it's like, oh, you should talk to this person or, you know, if you need systems, you should talk to Emma or, you know, an XYZ because there's just so many people in my network that have so many great things to share. And, you know, just by constantly expanding and linking people and I'm, I'm starting to see overlap now <laughs> where all of a sudden we have a ton of mutual people in common. It's like, hmm, how did that happen? <laughs> They keep grabbing that link. <laughs> yep, yep. So are there any other veteran organizations that have been a help to you as you started growing this? Um, you know, it's funny, but Bunker Labs is really only the veteran specific organization that I've I've used. Um specifically for business. Now I do have a number of other um veteran support areas that aren't really meant for business. It's more just for, for networking. Um, but there's a Facebook group called service Academy women. And that Facebook group was, um, I can always go in there if I have questions. It's not an area where I would naturally promote myself, but it is an area where you can grow network and learn from others. Um, and then the other one is uh, female Navy officers. And that's uh, specifically just any Naval Academy, ROTC, OCS, um, group of women who, uh, and there's always just gems in there. There's a lot of women who actually left, um, the service and started their own businesses. And I feel like there should be some sort of (laughs) support group, um, that kind of stems off of that. But, um, I've seen some, some awesome women who've taken the skills from being in the military and converting them into their own small businesses. There's one woman who's a, a, a welder and she created a metalworking small business and uh, she constantly talks about she'll show up to an event and nobody thinks that she's the owner of the business. Um, but it's really cool to see what people have done with, with their experience and, you know, building a, a business out of it. Right. And the skills that they either had before they went in the military or the ones that they during or after, like welding. Mm-hmm. It's pretty cool. Yep. My last question I have for you is, if you could give advice to an aspiring transition veteran, veteran or spouse, what would it be? If I could give advice to a transitioning veteran or spouse, um, kind of a combination of, of two things, which we touched on a little earlier, and that's flexibility and creativity. Um, you know, I help women build out their digital courses. And the first thing that we start off with is the first question that I usually get asked is, well, what should I make a course about? And you can apply that to business too. Um, or, or a career choice, even if you choose to not go into um, business, but it's, you know, well, what do I do? Um, and I, that was something that I really struggled with because I came from a, you know, a small new England family um, small town, New England family. And the path that was laid out for me was go to college. That was not an option. That's why I went to the Naval Academy <laughs> and not just enlisted because um, college was not an option. And, uh, do, you know, do your time. If you do the full 20, awesome. If not, go out and join a corporate venture. And I obviously did not do that. I joined, uh, I created my own business. Um, and, you know, one of the reasons was because I got really, really honest with myself. There's a number of um, 
opportunities that the military gives you when you're transitioning. Um, I had the opportunity to do an internship with the Drug Enforcement Administration uh, for about a year before I fully transitioned out. And I was at first really excited because I, you know, I got the slacks and the blouse and the high heels and the work bag and my badge. And I would go into the DEA and I worked with their intel unit. And about three months in, I loved everybody that I worked with, but about three months in, I felt like taking a stapler to my forehead (laughs) Um, because it was more about that. It just felt like, like being in the military and wearing a different outfit Um, because it just wasn't me. I wasn't being challenged. I wasn't being, you know, I wasn't creative enough. And at that time, I didn't really understand that that was such a key part of who I was, that I needed to have a, a career, you know, a purpose in life that allowed me to be creative. In the military, that was satisfied by never having enough resources and constantly being told to meet the mission deadline. <laughs> and so you had to get creative. But when I transitioned into corporate, uh, resources weren't an issue. And so I decided, okay, I have to do something else. And, you know, I have to look at a different way to do business where or a different way to make money. And, you know, the I saw my husband and his startup uh, ventures and connections, and I started looking into working my own business. So if you're transitioning, whatever your status is, whether you're the service member, you have a spouse, um, or even if you are a spouse and you're, you know, your, sp- your serving spouse is the one who's being um, relocated, then just get a little creative, like get in touch with who you are. And if you're the type of person that really just thrives in that type of environment, you don't want the stresses of running your own business, um, you want the consistent paycheck, you know, you, you want to be just responsible for one department, not sales, marketing, finance, accounting, um, customer care, all of the things when you're an entrepreneur, um, you know, then, then do that, but be okay with it. And also comes back to the flexibility part. If, um, if you're not sure, go and test it out. And if this really isn't vibing with you, be, be flexible enough to change um, and, and be flexible enough to go, okay, maybe I need to consider a different job or a different career um, because this just isn't fulfilling. It, it kills me when I see people who are just droning through life because they, they don't want to change or they're unwilling or they're fearful of jumping into a new career that could really be fulfilling because of that that fear of failure and that unwillingness to be kind of flexible in your career pipeline. That's an awesome answer. That's great advice right there. I love that. And I, I fear is fear keeps a lot of people back. So that's awesome advice. Thank you. Yeah. I, I, uh, I, so how do, how does the audience get in touch with you? Very tiny. We know Facebook is your social media monster. You said, Yes. Yeah. So, um, so my website is loveyourlaunchacademy.com. You can also hit me up on Instagram at the course creation coach or on Facebook. Um, I'm sure in the show notes, you'll put my full name cause it's a little hard to spell, but, um, but yeah, you can, you can also just hit me up on Facebook. Um, happy to connect with veterans, happy to connect with other business owners who are looking to, um, you know, just collaborate and connect. Cause again, I'm all about that network and that accountability. Um, so it doesn't have to be a, a course creator or a membership owner, although I'm pretty sure that both of those options could help every single business owner out there today. So <laughs> definitely. Well, again, Brittany, thanks for being on today. And uh, I would look forward to have another show with you to, to discuss the fear of being a failure and how to be a social media monster. Cause I'm sure that'll help a lot of people out there. And uh, absolutely, it's been great talking to you and enjoy the rest of your South Florida day. Thanks so much, Rich. I really appreciate it. And thank you for having me on. No problem. Have a good one. Bye. Well, that is another great episode. Brittany and Luke, you were amazing to talk to and learn about your stories and, of course, your passion. We appreciate both of you for taking the time to come on and share your story with us. On our next episode, we'll talk to a couple more veteran business owners. So look out for that. 
Thank you, Bunker Labs, for linking us up with these great Americans. As always, thanks for taking some of your time to spend with us on The Misfit Nation. Be sure to hit that subscribe button and share the link as much as possible. We appreciate you. Till the next time. As always, be humble, stay hungry, and keep hustling, because we are The Misfit Nation.